This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. You know, I just want to thank you all for your faithfulness in giving through the years. You know, as a church, we started in the fall of uh, 1999 in our living room and uh, officially launched in October 2000. So we're coming on 20 years as a church, and we're able to do that because of the faithfulness of, of you in your giving. So I think you need to give yourself a hand for that, that uh, we continue on and being able to have an impact not just locally here in our community and in, 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 in this nation, but, but internationally, internationally. And so uh, I have the privilege to introduce uh, Pastor Heron. Uh, Heron was a, is a graduate of Christ of the Nations. You did three years, Heron? Three years, and uh, one of very few students that had full scholarships or close to that as a student there. And uh, he was greatly impacted, and he maybe share a little bit about that of some of the first few meetings uh, when uh, Pete and myself uh, went there in the early 2000s, and we've been going on and off uh, as the as God opens the door as a church, and um, so so. Uh, tremendous ministry through the years. I think the Sri Lankan flag is right there with the lion. So that's the Sri Lankan flag. And so so we want to give Heron as much time as possible. And, and, uh, and when he's done, then we're just going to receive a love offering. So let's give a hand to Heron as he comes. Well, praise God. I'm just so blessed to uh, come back home. <laughs> It takes a long ways to come here, but uh, it's always uh, an encouragement to uh, come back and bring testimony of uh, what the Lord is uh, uh, doing, some amazing things uh, in uh, the nation of Sri Lanka. I bring greetings to you from my beautiful wife, Chandi, and our loving daughter to you, Pastor Mike and Rhonda, and to the CTF family, and also uh, from Harvest Tabernacle. There's a video clip we just want to run now just for you to uh, give an idea of some of the mission work uh, uh, that uh, you help support uh, do for us in Sri Lanka. Many years ago, uh, um, I remember I was in this uh, meeting. Uh, it was a graduation uh, uh, at HLI in Sri Lanka, and Pastor Mike, uh, he came up then, and uh, he was prophetically declaring a, a word uh, for the nation. At that time, uh, we were in a brutal civil war, and there was no hope, uh, not even uh, in reach. And, and uh, he said, the minority shall be the majority. Well, I've lived through that in the last 15 or almost 20 years, and I've seen how the minority is little by little surely becoming the majority. Amen. So we're going to run this video to show you how God is breaking loose, how the kingdom of God is breaking loose in a heathen nation called Sri Lanka. Amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Could we give just another round of applause to Jesus Christ? He deserves all the glory. Amen. Folks, this world cannot save this generation. But there is a generation that God is raising up like you and me to save this world. Amen. And that's what it's all about. Hallelujah. We just want to thank you for uh, your generous, uh, uh, generosity, your blessing that has uh, helped us year in and year out to do what we are doing to see Sri Lanka transformed. Sri Lanka in its history has never faced revival. 
the states and you have faced revival and, and this is a, a blessed nation. And uh, even now it's impacting the nations. But in the history of Sri Lanka, we've never faced revival. But I believe in our generation, we have the opportunity to usher in revival in the nation of Sri Lanka. Amen. Hallelujah. If you, if you tell me, Pastor, what mode are you in? Well, I'm on revival mode. I'm on revival mode. It's just uh, amazing what the Lord is doing in a nation that had no hope. It was hopeless. There was nothing in that. But God did a suddenly. And now we see in, in uh, the seven um, uh, fears that influence society, how God is little by little taking and making ground and the kingdom is breaking loose. As most of you know, Chandi and I, we pastor Harvest uh, Tabernacle in Vaunia in the post-war area. And um, it's been rough, it has been hard, but um, encouragement is powerful and that's what you are. The encouragement that you are allows us to be what God has called us to be and reach uh, the harvest of the nation, amen? And I believe uh, even as uh, I, I bring word to you also, uh, the Lord laid in my heart to bring to you a prophetic word for your lives for this season and for this year. I want to title my message this morning, Turning Point. Webster defines turning point as a point at which significant change occurs. 2019, I believe, is going to be for you a turning point experience in your life. And I want to share with you from the passage of scripture from Joshua chapter 1, Verse 1 through 3, I want to share with you some of the uh, uh, more, uh, most important uh, things that uh, you could uh, have to prepare for a turning point experience in your life. A point at which significant change occurs. Folks, change is uncomfortable but necessary. And I believe this year for you is a year where you are about to step into a new encounter with God to see some things change for you. Not for the worse, but for the better, for good. Turning point in the Greek with a K speaks of crisis. Now crisis in itself seems like a not good word, okay? But we are going to dive in and see what is the connection with a turning point and crisis. Crisis in the Greek with a K speaks about judgment, condemnation. It also speaks about separation, division, decision. Crisis in the uh, English with a C means a turning point. It says here, crisis, a time of intense difficulty or danger. A time when a difficult or important decision must be made for better or worse. In this case, for better. In the progress of an affair or a series of events, a turning point in your life is a junction or a juncture. How many times you've come to a junction and wondered, okay, where do I go? Is it a right or a left? Amen. Junction loves you. To make a decision. And the decisions you make, make you. And I believe this year is a year for you to make some decisions in your life personally and collectively as a ministry. Turning point is 
a point of significance where you have an opportunity to make a decision so that God could elevate you, God could reposition you, God could realign you with the purposes that he has for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's read from Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses. Three areas to prepare you for your turning point experience. The most significant thing about a turning point is after it has shifted. It will never shift back the other way again. That's the significance about a turning point. How many of you are in the threshold of a decision making? How many of you are in the, in the place where you know that you need to get out of this circle? You need change in your life. This is not happening. I feel in my spirit that some of you are in that place. Guess what? There's good news for you this morning. Amen. Three areas to prepare you for your turning point experience. New season, fresh faith, and a renewed mind. Moses on, at the burning bush, Peter on the seashore of Galilee, Paul on the road to Damascus, they all faced a turning point experience in their life. And we know the history. They are called heroes of faith. Why? Because after that experience, they never shifted back the other way again. And that's what we want. We want a change. We want a significant encounter with God that will never allow us to be the way we are. It's not kesara sara. There's much more than that. New season, Joshua 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, See, death is not a good thing. In fact, it, it is a sorrowful thing. It is a sad thing. Guess what? After the death of Moses, God speaks to Joshua and he starts off saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. You, you think uh, Joshua wanted to hear that again? No, Joshua, I believe, would not want to hear that again because all Joshua's life, he grew around Moses. He saw how Moses was mightily used by God. Moses was called the deliverer. He was taken out of the Nile. God did a powerful work in Moses' life. And Joshua was there for the ride. Any problem, any situation, it was Moses that everyone ran to. Why? Because he had all the answers. And now Moses is no more. And Joshua is in a place of concern and worry. What are we going to do? And not only him, an entire nation was on hold. What are we going to do? There's no one to give us direction. There's no one to turn. Every place where our foot treads upon is the desert. It's not a promised land. It's the desert. Some of you have been on, on deserts. 
It's hot. Some of us need that for a change. Just a, just a week ago, I, I flew in from Florida. I was ministering there. And um, from the seashores of Florida to the snowfall of Minnesota. Just think about it. A full scoop. Amen. See, the most important thing about a turning point situation is to identify the end of the old season. That's where I want to get to you this morning, firstly. We need to recognize the end of the old season. Why? The end of the old season prepares you for the new. It allows you to rise up. See, God is reminding Joshua that Moses is dead. Really? Thank you for reminding me. But also, God is giving him a way out. He's in Joshua. It's time for you to rise up. The old season is over. There's a new season and you need to rise up. Here in verse 1 it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of God. See, in those days, the greatest honor that someone could get is to be called the servant of God. And that's what Moses was. He was a servant of God. In that same passage of scripture at the end of that verse, it doesn't recognize Joshua as a servant of God. It says there, Joshua, the servant of Moses. So Joshua was not the servant of God. He was a servant of Moses. But now, God is visiting him in a new way. So that he would come into a new season in his life. In the preceding chapters and also in the other books of the Bible, it mentions Joshua as the servant of God. Amen. We need to recognize the end of the old season. Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple, the Bible says. There was another death experience. Isaiah Uzziah was a great military leader. In his reign, the enemy was on the defensive. The enemies around Israel feared Israel because of Uzziah. He was a great military mind. He was a great military leader. And because of Uzziah, Israel was in a safe place. Guess what? Uzziah is dead. And now the whole of Israel is in a place of fear. Anyhow, uh, any moment, any time, they could be run over. They could be taken as slaves and prisoners. Their freedom is going to go out. And they're going to go back to slavery. And they were in a place of trauma and fear. Guess what? The king with the simple K is dead. But the king with the capital K is still alive. Hallelujah. Amen. The king of kings is still alive. In those days, a king's glory and splendor was seen by the train of his robe. If it was a small train, a small king. If it was a big train, a big king. Guess what? This was the king of kings. His train of his robe filled this entire church and beyond. That's how magnificent. That's how glorious. That's how splendid the king of kings is. Guess what? He lives on the inside of you. Come on. How about that? The king of kings lives on the inside of you. 
So do you think that I'm a chicken? Come on. Do you think that you are a chicken? I mean, we were, my major was not drama, so <laughs> now you figured out that, okay? <laughs> Man, uh, and it got me all excited and uh, all that uh, frozen arms and legs just went off, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> and uh, see, God has called us to sow above the storm. And I believe this year is a significant time in your life where you could come into divine alignment to allow God to lift you up, to elevate you, and allow you to sow in your dreams, to allow you to sow with the destiny God has called you for. Hallelujah. A, a new season in your life. See, Isaiah came to the understanding to know that even though King Uzziah was dead, it was a new season. And in the preceding verses, it says how Isaiah heard the Lord speaking. Who shall go? Whom shall we send? And Isaiah said, come on. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. It was a turning point experience and situation in Isaiah's life. And he went down in history to be one of the greatest prophets next to Jesus Christ. Secondly, fresh faith. Joshua 1 and verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. See, God was telling Mo, uh, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now you arise. Now you go. You lead these people to the promised land. It was a new experience in Joshua's life. See, Joshua now had to take steps of faith. He was a young man at that time. Moses was his leader. Moses was his mentor, his spiritual dad. But now Moses is not in the picture. Now Joshua has to step up as a servant of God. And he has to lead the children of Israel. Guess what? He has to come into a new place to believe God in a new way. Amen. Fresh faith. Psalms 105 and verse 19 says, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. See, I'm not talking here about a seed faith. I'm talking here about an aggressive faith, a bold faith, a great faith, like the Roman centurion who told Jesus, you don't have to come into my house. Speak the word and my servant shall be made well. That's the type of faith that I'm talking to you this year. A fresh faith that will allow you to believe God for a breakthrough. To believe God for great things in your life. What are some of the things that you want to do for the Lord? What are some of the things that God has spoken to you about your life? See, when God gives you a prophetic word, write it down in two pens. Come on. Thank you, Kim. What God wants to do in your life in red and what you need to do for yourself in blue. Sometimes in our, in our prophetic uh, um, notes that we take about what the Lord is saying, there's too much of red in there. There's so much of red in there that there's no place for blue. Guess what? In the same place. But I believe this year, you and I need to make some significant moves towards what God has for you and me. There's a certain way that the kingdom of God operates. 
The Bible says in James, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call unto me and answer ye and show the great and mighty things which you do not know. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 speaks about, even as you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. In the Gospels it says, knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. There's something about the kingdom that you and I need to understand. The kingdom operates when I make the effort. When you make the effort. When God gives you a prophetic word, you and I have to do something about it. Jesus told the disciples. When the disciples told Jesus, so many people, in fact, 5,000 of them, do something. What did Jesus say? You, come on, do something. What is in your hand? Five loaves and two fish. And God multiplied. This year, you need to do something about what God has spoken to you about. It could be just a prayer on Saturday. It could be ushering at the door. It could be just cleaning up the place. It could be uh, the Marines uh, meeting uh, once a month or something like that. Something. Find something and do it. And as you keep being faithful, you will see God use that for his glory. Three, renewed mind. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. See, God has already spoken to Moses about the promised land. But the children of Israel was coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery, coming out of um, uh, prison, I may say. They were coming out of bondage and into the promised land. And guess what? God is promised them, promising them their own land. I mean, it's a paradigm shift. They never owned anything. In fact, they owed everything. Even their lives, even their homes, everything they did, they owed it to Caesar and Egypt. And now God is promising them their own land. It was a paradigm shift. It was a, a shift in their mindset, in their thinking. They had to renew their mind. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And later became governor. Esther was an orphan and became queen. Ruth was a Gentile widow and became the grandmother of David. What is it that you want to become? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. And I believe this year you need to take stock of your life and see what have you been doing about your life. Because one day when it's all said and done, I am accountable for my life. Many years ago, as some of you may know, Pastor Mike and uh, uh, the team here at CFTH and Pastor Pete, and, and they came over to Sri Lanka on a mission uh, uh, trip. And we had like an um, evangelistic um, uh, crusade, and, and so uh, my mom went there, and so when mom says to come, you don't mess with mom, okay? You just follow through. So I, had, I was just like, where you are, I was just sit up there. And uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Pete, and, and they were preaching and, and all of that. And, and then at the end of um, um, uh, the message, I was just uh, uh, 
thinking i was i was so hurting so broken because i uh, i've just been uh, i was bankrupt and in debt and uh, just um, um backslidden and i was just so hurting and and and, and so in pain and um, um i was just uh, i was not listening to the message i was listening to my pain on the inside and wanting lord how could i just get out of this i'm in a pit i'm in a difficult place i'm in a hard spot lord how could i how could i just come out of this and suddenly pastor pete uh, he uh, pointed at me and said he said young man god has a word for you and all of us we do that okay i just kind of looked around to see for sure there has to be at least another one young man around guess what there were no other young men around and i'm like shoot now what and i'm thinking lord i'm all already hurting i'm already in pain and uh, i hope i'm not going to fall from the frying pan to the fire and i was so a uh, concern and worried lord what what is this going to be what are you going to say surely he's going to rebuke me he's going to um, uh, he's going to judge me and then god began to speak and said you are running with all your might in the wrong direction but if you recommit your life to christ god is going to make up for the lost years he didn't say lost investment he didn't say lost opportunity he didn't say lost finances he said lost years and then you know your pastor right he wants to get on with it he just grabbed me from my hand he pulled me to the stage and he gave me a mic and he said preach he said god is giving you a second chance and boy your pastor mike just uh, uh, grabbed me and he ran all around the uh, the auditorium and uh, i'm like lord what's happening i'm dying on the inside what's happening it uh, it was just uh, just an amazing experience i would reflect back to that experience and wonder lord that was a turning point situation in my life it turned me 180 degrees just like that i was having this conversation with god and said lord i don't want a third chance i don't want a third chance and don't let me come to a place where i would need a third chance a second chance is more than enough and i said lord if you pull me out of this and if you set me in a place of freedom and peace i want to serve you i want to i want to preach the gospel and guess what supernaturally i came to dallas to christ of the nations three year scholarship came here to do an internship with chandi and spend about a year here and they sent me they apostolos me sent us back to sri lanka and everything else was history hallelujah god has given us such a privilege to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth last year we were in england the year before that we were in singapore in the states we traveled to um, all over the states preaching the gospel just last year in the five weeks i was in six states including new york hallelujah Woo! preaching the gospel why because a team from cfth came and impacted my life that was a turning point situation god could cause someone across the shores to come and reach you and tell you that it is not over it's just a junction in your life and if you would make that decision for christ everything else is history in your life how about you what are some of the things that you would love to do Many years ago that was a prophetic word God has called me as a preacher and I preach every day in fact I preach all over in Sri Lanka we have youth conferences we have uh, uh, pastors leaders con- conferences 
Just a few years ago, they picked me as a keynote speaker to speak in the north and the east. I spoke into a, 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 spoke to about seven in seven conferences over 1,200 kingdom leaders only. I don't know how many hundreds of churches. Amazing things God is doing. Because I said, yes, Lord. And about 12 years ago, when we were prepared to be sent, and I really felt the need also to go back. And I didn't compromise. I, I said, Lord, you brought me here. And I have something called a gratitude towards God. Gratitude. He set me free. He filled me. He trained me. He equipped me. And I have a gratitude towards God. I made a promise that I would go and preach the gospel and get people saved. Guess what? Now we are in a place to see many come into the kingdom. We work in hostile areas. Some places you have to go during the day. You cannot afford to go in the night. They'll ambush you. You'll be history. Some of you would have seen a, a video played a few weeks ago about a new church plant. And... Um, Every Sunday after, the, after praise and worship, we, we would have uh, uh, people lined up and would invite everyone to come. Some of them are Hindus, Buddhists, I don't know what. They would just come. The presence of God would be so strong. And, and the leadership team would go and just lay hands. From a, from, from a cold to uh, cancers being healed to heart attacks, bypasses, you name it. The dead to be raised, everything included. And they get healed. We do not know what what are they getting healed of? They would get healed. And in the preceding weeks, they would come and tell us as testimonies. There was a lady that got a heart attack and died and she was raised back to life. Think about that. I'll give you a few moments. That's how powerful it is on the mission field. The kingdom has to break loose. And it breaks loses through signs, wonders, and miracles. Some of you won't be able to do that physically, but your support allows us to do that for you and for us together for the kingdom of God. This one lady came in and she was prayed for and, and later we realized she had throat cancer. She was healed right there. She was about 45 minutes from uh, our church. A, lake, uh, a week later, her relative called and said uh, uh, to her, and, and this relative lives about two hours from church in a hostile, anti-Christian place. She called this uh, lady that comes to our church and said, I have a lot of family problems and sicknesses and all of that, and she was whining. When I got in here uh, to Alec, uh, I was whining. And Kathleen said, stop whining. <laughs> so now I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it and be glad. Amen. And so uh, this lady said, uh, why don't you come to church with me? This is what happened to me. And she told us testimony. Uh, the following week, this lady came with her family. And she was healed. They were delivered. God touched them. The week later, they bought more family members. And guess what? Now for the last six months, we work under the radar. We go during the day and we have church in that community. Fifteen years ago, there was a church in that region. And the radical Buddhist priests and mobs, they burnt it down. Fifteen years later, we have the privilege to go back and rebuild. Amen. What could God do? The, the greatest privilege we have is to preach the gospel, to go into unreached territories and have the privilege of leading someone to Christ. Think about it. It's amazing where you can do it yourself. You can do it in Alexandria. There are many hurting people around. And you could be God's hands and God's feet. Amen. Duncan Campbell was a Scottish revivalist. As a young man, he was a bagpipe player. 
And one day he was performing at this dance, playing a famous Scottish classical about a hill. In the middle of the song, suddenly he was reminded about the hill of Calvary. He was filled with the fear of God and conviction. And he knew that he was not right with God. He barely made it to the end of the song and spoke to the organizer and said, Sir, I'm so troubled with my sin and I need to get right with God. The organizer said, Campbell, you'll soon get over that. He said, no, sir, if I'm not mistaken, I will never play in another dance again. He left that night going home and there was another young man also who felt the conviction of God. And he too left the dance and walked with Campbell home. Campbell told that young man, tonight I'm going to get right with God. But the other young man said, I don't know whether I'm ready to do that right now. Many years passed by and this other young man died not getting right with God. But Campbell got right with God that night. And God raised him up to be a mighty revivalist. This is what he said. He said, it's not churches full of men, but men full of God that will bring revival. Amen. Hallelujah. You and I, we want a turning point in our lives. We want God to touch us. We want God to lift us. We want God to elevate us. Yes. But also, there's something in the equation where I need to do where God is not going to do for you. And I believe this year, if you could draw nigh unto God, He's going to draw nigh unto you. Amen. It's not men and women filled in churches, but men and women full of God that's going to be in revival. In these last uh, few moments, as we close our eyes and bow our heads, I want you to reflect on your life and take stock of your life journey and see where you are today. Some of you are like Joshua. You have had hurt and disappointment and rejection and you are dying on the inside even though you are living on the inside. And God is talking to you to rise up in spite of your hurt and disappointment and rejection and difficulty. Some of you are in a place where you need to believe God in a new way for your marriage, for your family, for your work, your business and your life. Some of you are in a place where you need to renew your mind and know that you are not a loser but a winner. You're not a zero but a hero. To know if God is for you, who could be against you? To know that I could run through a troop and leap over a wall by my God. See, that night there were two young men. One man got right with God. But the other man thought, it's not time. You and I never know when death knocks at your door. That's why we have, that's why your, your pastor and his wife, your spiritual leaders, your parents have a longing in their hearts, a, 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 a burning in their hearts, a desire in their hearts to see how God would unlock destiny in your life so that you can run with a vision. If you ask me, Pastor, what are some of the greatest challenges that you see as you travel the world and preach the gospel in churches? Number one is there are a lot of offense. People are offended all the time. 
and people quit all the time. Look at your pastor and his wife. You mean to say that they didn't want to quit? They were not offended. Look at me. Oh my goodness. When we started, when we planted the church up north, it was like all hell broke loose. I was thinking, Lord, could I get on the phone and ask Pastor Mike whether I could just come here for one year and serve you? Cleaning up the place or doing the washrooms, restrooms, that's all good for me. I wanted to just get out of that place. It was like Saul coming out after David and I was in the dugout, I was in the stronghold. But I had to make a decision. I had to choose. Chandi had to choose. When the rubber meets the rope, when it's, when it's tough, that's where you and I need to go into the presence of God and find your peace in Him. Pastor Mike always says this, if you, if you put your will to motion, your emotions, come on, will follow. And today I'm a product of what God has done. What CFTH has invested in my life. And I bring a word of prophet, a uh, uh, word of destiny, a word of breakthrough, a prophetic word for you to tell you that this is your year of turn in point. A year where God is going to reposition you and allow you to believe God in a new way. A new season, a fresh faith and a renewed mind. Could you all rise to our feet as we bring this to a close? I believe that there is a healing anointing in this place. And as you reach God and touch Him in a new way, the woman with the issue of blood was hurting on the inside. She was rejected. For 12 years, she had to face the same old, same old. But one day, Jesus, the Messiah, the miracle worker was passing by and she had to tell herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Guess what? She made a decision and she made a way for herself. Many times we make a decision, but it's like daydreaming. We don't make an effort to make a way for ourselves because she made a way through the crowd for herself. Jesus made a way to reach out and touch her. Many times we blame God and say, God, what is this and what is that? But I believe even Jesus told that about John the Baptist when his disciples came to Jesus. He said, are you offended by me? John the Baptist thought that Jesus is going to come and deliver him from the prison because he prophesied about Jesus, about setting the captives free. But Jesus never went to deliver John the Baptist. He was about his father's business, healing the blind, raising the dead and the lame and everything else. And when the disciples brought word from John the Baptist, are you the Messiah or are we to believe for someone else? Jesus turned around to the disciples of John the Baptist and said, are you offended by me? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I'm about my father's business. I have a responsibility. I have a vision. There, there is, a, there is a, a mission I need to accomplish. And I'm, I'm, I'm about that. Sometimes we look at others and wonder, they need to give us more attention. They need to uh, say this and they need to do that and all that. You know what? They have done that. And, but now it's time for you and I 
to do something about it. Amen. And this is your opportunity this year. God is talking to you. He's knocking at your door. And the Bible says, And I stand out and knock at your door. If you open the door, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. God is knocking at your door in a new way. Maybe you are involved with ministry. Maybe because of something you have just given up ministry or, or you're just so busy about other things. Guess what? God is gently and tenderly calling you back to that place with Him so that you could once again get involved with whatever ministry that you are doing or whatever that you like doing. You'll tell me, Pastor, God has called me as a businessman. What shall I do? Preach the gospel? Heal the sick? Cast out demons? Another one would come and tell me, Pastor, I'm a doctor. What must I do? Preach the gospel? Heal the sick? Cast out demons? Someone else will say, Pastor, I'm a lawyer. I'm an engineer. I'm this. I'm that. What must I do? Come on with me. Say it. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast the devils. That's what we are to do. We come from different walks of life. But for the same cause. To preach the gospel. You could preach the gospel where you are. Some of you are saved for a long time but never shared Christ with anyone because you are scared. Guess what? Do not, don't have to. If they reject you, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting Christ, not you. Don't worry about it. Go to the next person. Many times, out there, it's hard out there, it's rough. There's no AC there. There's direct sunlight. <laughs> Your brains doesn't hear it, it frees. There it, it fries. <laughs> because of the heat. But still you keep Preaching the gospel because you know there's a greater heat on the inside. There's a greater compassion on the inside and it has to get outside. Amen. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh touch from heaven. Just raise your hand all across the room. I'm going to do that. I listen that there's someone here and, and you have problem with your, your fingers. It's difficult. And God is going to heal you right now. There, there's someone else with a, a frozen arm. Something with your arm and I believe there's healing being released over you. And someone else, I believe God is just healing uh, your stomach. Something with your stomach. And I believe that there's healing right now flowing even over your knees. Some of you have, at least one or two of you, you have trouble with sleep. And I just speak the peace of Christ. I speak peace over you. You're troubled in your heart. You're, you're fearful something tragic is going to happen. The Bible says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's not churches full of men, but men and women full of God that will usher in revival. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.